Thank you, team, and welcome to the Grove this morning, and our children are headed out and uh, about to have a, a fantastic time next door digging into the Word, and we're about to dig into it, too. I hope that you're ready for today. Uh, it will look and feel and act a little bit different than it has in the past, and uh, I cannot wait to see what God does with what He wants to do in this place today. As we walk through parts of the book of Ezekiel, uh, specifically today we're going to be looking, and it'll be towards, actually uh, towards the end of the message, we're going to look at, at uh, Ezekiel chapter 36, but I want you to think about this with me as we begin to dive in this morning. In Ezekiel chapter 37, the following chapter, uh, God has called the attention to his prophet Ezekiel. And when he called his attention, he told him that he wanted him to walk through and see this valley that was full of completely dried bones. And it's as if God was walking with him through this. And God looks at Ezekiel and asks him a question. And he says, can these dry bones live? And Ezekiel answered this in the best way we humans can answer. Oh, Lord, only you know the answer to that question. I say that to ask you a question. Do you want to be rattled? And I say that in this way because I want it so bad for me and I want it so bad for you and, and, and in all humility, I confess to you that I, and to my God who I already have, that no matter how bad I want it for you, I can't talk you into it, scream you into it, motivate you into it, force you into it, trick you into it. But God knows what can happen in your life. Do you want it? That's where it starts. That's where it starts. That's where you and I are going to begin to think through this today. It is Thanksgiving week. And whether you realize it or not, you have so much to be thankful for. We are just uh, four or five days from the feast. Some of us have already experienced part of the feast. We'll experience part of the feast of Thanksgiving here tonight. Um, we do need to be thankful creatures on this earth. We have so much to be thankful for. Uh, we need to be thankful for uh, the life that God has given us. That he has sustained us to this point, telling us that there is still a purpose in our life because there is still breath in our lungs. You just use one of those purposes to praise the Father, the Son, the Spirit. You used that even this morning. Uh, God has blessed us with family. For some of that, there's blood relation. For some of that, there's not God has given us relationships with other people, and we should give him thanks for that, for, for taking care of every need in our lives. He is the one who does that. 
But our hearts need to be thankful for several other what I would call bigs that surround us, that affect us, that, that, incorpor- that, are, that are or should be incorporated into our lives. We need to be thankful for God's grace. I don't know if you've realized it as much this week as that you need it as bad as I do. I need God's grace. I, need it. I, I do need it new every morning. I, I'm desperate for that grace. Sometimes I feel like the closer I get to Christ the more I realize what a messed up human being I am. For the motivation for which I do things, for the reason that I do things, for the things that causes me tears and the things that don't cause me tears, I thank God for His grace. And in that grace, I thank Him for His salvation. I do not fear when I walk out of this place. I do not fear when I ride down the roads, even though some of you scared me to death. But my salvation is secure in Christ. And I cling to that just like you can if you have trusted him by grace through faith the truth is that he is still causing dry bones to live in this year he he has caused dry bones to live during this covid outbreak that seems like will we ever get completely past this Well, we never get past the other flus. I don't know why we'd get past this one either. But we do have something to look forward to. One day there will be no sickness. It's just not here on earth, right? So we have something to be thankful for and for His Holy Spirit that still works to wake us up, that I'm praying He will do something new and fresh in my life and new and fresh in your life. So pray that he will rattle you. Pray that he will rattle you today. Pray that he will awaken you in this place, in this moment, as you sit, as you walk, as you pray, as you praise, as you read, as you... Man. That he will rattle your family and your friends and this community. Do not let this holiday go by and hug all your family and not share hope with all your family the coolest thing that i got to do because i got to hang with drew and and the freeds and i got to hang with uh with uh the prices and i got to hang with uh lanita and i got to hang with kimmy and i got i don't remember who all else i got to hang with yesterday at at hhr but i got to be in the prayer line And I'm just telling you, God is still at work in lives, even those that are hurting, the number of people that are walking through and struggling with depression and anxiety and and funding and marriage and jobs and fears. And the ones that don't know Christ, it's so sad, but we got the opportunity to share and plant seeds. And, And I fully believe there's a young lady with her two kids that Pastor Jarman and I both got to share with yesterday that is at house of hope and restoration for the first time in about 10 years of her life because her church rejected her because she wasn't like them we should be ashamed shouldn't we somewhere down the road if that's us let's walk on second thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 16 is where we're going to begin for a minute the apostle paul says always be joyful If joy shows up on the outside, some of you didn't get the memo. I'm just saying. 
Joy ought to show up on the outside. It may not be a big old giant smile, but there ought to be something that shows up in us. Verse 17 says, never stop praying. Verse 18 says, be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. And then there's a verse that's attached to this at the very end of it that sometimes we put in a different paragraph. I don't know if it goes in a different paragraph. I think it fits right here perfectly. He says, do not stifle the Holy Spirit. Now, stifling the Holy Spirit is what keeps the rattle from happening. Verse 19 is the key, remembering what we have to have joy for, keeping the connection with the Lord, praying to Him, and being thankful no matter what. Living like this will keep you from stifling His Spirit. That is His will for us in Christ Jesus. So when we don't stifle the Holy Spirit and when we don't hold back His Spirit, he will, he will rattle us. He will even begin to revive us. And that is what I'm praying for you. And that is what I'm praying for me. And I'm not just praying it on Sunday mornings for me. And I'm not just praying it on Sunday mornings for you. It's part of what I do during the day. And I'm asking you to join me in that too. Because I'm not satisfied with where we are. If you follow how God worked through the entire Old Testament, you will see a pattern. And it's not so much God working in a cycle but the humans that he created tend to live in a cycle get this and follow this and think about this we realize who god is and we go after him we pursue him he changes us and somewhere along the road we forget what he's done for us we get busy we get sidetracked we get something happens in this life and suddenly we find ourselves and we don't even know if we know him and then he calls us back to himself. You can watch it through the entire Old Testament. It is a pattern of coming to God, walking away from him, him calling us back, we come back, walking away from him. And you can see it. It is a roller coaster from Genesis all the way to we start the New Testament. You can watch it. And don't think it ended there because it didn't. Because we know it. I've lived long enough that I've watched that yo-yo in my life. I've watched that roller coaster in my life, and you've watched that as, as well. But then God draws us back, and he leads us to revival, and I believe that's what he wants for me and you, for the United States of America, for Madison, Alabama. Right now, I believe this is what he wants. The personal prayer that I'm praying and that I'm asking and begging you to pray for from God is revival. Revival. It's not a meeting. We used to hold revival meetings, and occasionally revival would happen during those meetings, but it's not just a meeting. It's, it's not even just a prayer, even though it is the result of prayer. It is our seeking God and talking to Him on behalf of others and on behalf of ourselves. It is something that we have to desire. It's something you have to want. It requires us to repent of known and unknown failures in our life where we have, and we don't even like to talk about it, sin. You got things you need to let go so that Christ can have that part of your life. You're not the only one. He's standing on the stage too. It's a fresh longing for Jesus in His constant presence in our lives and I know what that is like and I'm longing for it again for me and for you the rattle 
The revival we are asking for will awaken us from a spiritual sleep. It will deepen our faith and open our eyes to the truth of God's Word. It's like when this starts happening and you start opening up His Word, it's like something's coming out of there every single time you're reading it. And if it's not, I'm just going to say this. You're not reading it enough because it's there. It's there. I promise you, if you will hang out there, you will experience what comes from there. But you've got to hang out there. Something's probably going to have to go in our lives. It's going to seem so fresh when it starts happening. But being rattled may require a clean slate in our lives where we say goodbye to things that actually quench the spirit in our lives. You know what those things are. It could be our language. It could be our friends. It could be what we're putting in our minds from our phones or from our TV or from the music that we listen to. But we may need a clean slate so that the Holy Spirit may abide or be able to abide in a heart that is not destroyed by this world. If God is on the throne of our lives, the idols have to be destroyed. That is what Ezekiel chapter 1 all the way up through the middle of Ezekiel chapter 36 is all about. The idols have to be trashed. Which ones are still in your life? Psalm 85, the psalmist in verse 6 says, Won't you revive us again so your people can rejoice in you? Do you recognize what, just, what, what that cry out is there? Here's what it is. It's a recognition that, God, I, no matter what all I get right in my life, no matter how I line myself up even with the truth of your law, I can't fix this. I have to have you revive me, Lord. Only you can do this. Some of us don't believe this can happen. Some of us don't believe this can happen in our lives. Some of us believe we have messed up so much. Literally talking to a, a young man and his grandmother yesterday as they were, as they had just gotten some food and had come around and, and I had a chance to talk to them. And the words were words that will always break your heart. I've done so much, I don't believe God can do that in my life. If you're there, you're missing the truth. You're missing the truth that God can actually change even you. Because I know that because He has changed even me. And if I knew you, you, the real you, and you knew the real me, we would embarrass each other. You don't want it written on the screens. But God can deal with it. Over the next few weeks, I want to show you that not only can this happen, but Jesus desires this to happen in your life and in my life. Matter of fact, I, I think we may be preparing a Christmas present to give back to the Lord, and it's us. Maybe we can't give things so well this year, so maybe it's time to give the one thing that, that he'll take. It's us. Not just for you, am I praying this, but for the Grove and for this community and for the United States of America, what if America started seeking Jesus again? Because it has in the past. 
I'm praying for this world, for America. I think Thanksgiving is uh, the perfect place to start. I don't know about you, and again, this is just a really crazy thing that was nutty about me when I was younger, but when I was younger, and I don't think it was because of the teachers, but I think it was because of me, but I hated studying history. It's just old stuff. I don't need to know that. But I will tell you, every day that I get older, the more important history becomes to me. I want to share with you a little bit about the first story of the first Americans and what turned into a revival that would change a new world. When the Puritans and the Pilgrims left Europe for a new land, there clearly was a revival that was already beginning in huge parts of Europe. You can easily go back to Martin Luther and say, oh, something was going on there. It was so big it'd get you killed for your faith. It rattled people. But when they left for the new land, they had a desire and a passion to worship God. The Puritans wanted to, if you will, purify the church. They wanted it to be real with God and real according to his word. Both the pilgrims and the Puritans, which are, are different. We use them interchangeably, but they are, they are, they are different in ideology. Both knew the state-led church was a bad idea. I mean, do you want a state-led church in America right now? Not a chance. They wanted biblical, real faith. Not ritualistic religion. In them, there was this calling to be real with God, to have a relationship with Him. Not to do things for Him. Not to, not to show up in a place, but to have a relationship with Christ. So after landing in Plymouth, Massachusetts in 1620, the few that survived that first year celebrated what we now call Thanksgiving with the Wampanoag Native Americans. They celebrated together. They had worked together to grow food, and they celebrated together that successful harvest and even prayed a prayer of thanksgiving to God. Back to 2 Thessalonians. In everything, give thanks so you don't stifle the Holy Spirit. Remember where it came from. And shame on us if we show up to a big meal this week and don't give thanks to the one who has given it. Because he is the one, while we not, may, may not have planted that, we were able to find it in the store. If you hurry. Um, over the next hundred years in America, so much happened. Survivors prospered and many more pilgrims would join them. They had successfully made their new lives and life for them was good. They were able to worship in the way they desired to for the first time in a very long time. But they had struggles too, like we do. They forgot where their success came from. Um, I'm sure there were money issues 
for many of them. Uh, there were relational issues for them. Many had lost their spouse over that year if they didn't lose them on the way over to the new England. So many got sick. So many died. They knew what a pandemic was. They were experiencing it on the boat. But they forgot why they gave thanks that first year. They forgot where their help came from. They forgot why they came to the new land. We are only 100 years from that landing in 1720. Something cool starts happening. Theodore Frelinghuysen, a Dutch Reformed minister, started a ministry in New Jersey. <laughs> kind of ironic today, isn't it? He was shocked by the deadness of the American people. Now get this, the people in Europe are more alive where he came from than what he was experiencing in New Jersey. He prayed and he preached the desperate need for a relationship with God and no more religious ritual. And here's the deal. These people probably went to church. They even did the church things. But at some place they left Jesus out of it. Been guilty of that. Boy, it makes you feel a long ways from Jesus really, really fast. The first people to get rattled, I love this, the kids and the teenagers. They were the first ones that had open minds to listen to what God might want to do in their life, that he had something bigger than what was going on with mom and dad. And when it happened to the kids, you know what the kids did? They didn't just care it to the other kids and the other teenagers, but they cared it to mom and dad and grandma and grandpa. And guess what happened? We had 13 colonies that were beginning to get rattled. All down one strip of what we now call the United States. They were beginning to get rattled. It would spread. And then a Presbyterian pastor named Gilbert Tennant caught the, rab caught the, the rattle. <laughs> he caught that virus from that Dutch Reformed pastor. And he took it to the Presbyterian church, his denomination, and carried it all over from the south to the north, and, and it was spreading all over New England and beginning to head south. Folks, I'm just saying it was happening. What they had experienced when they first got there for the reason that they came over was beginning to happen again in 1720s, in the early 1720s, 1720, 1721. And God used these men to pray for what would come to be known as the first American revival, which we refer to now as the first great awakening. Now, it's a big deal when it becomes a great awakening. This wasn't little bitty pockets. This was a great awakening. It was a, a ministry of faith and prayer by some very righteous followers of Jesus. Two names always come up. And it's not the two that I just gave you. The two that always come up, Jonathan Edwards. And one other one that was a little bit loud. He was fun. I would love to have known George Whitfield. Both of them would have been fascinating to have been around because God used them and they could not have been more different. The one thing they had in common, Jesus. The one thing they had in common, the gospel of Jesus Christ and a desire for everyone, honestly, to get rattled. Before a meeting, George Whitfield would spend hours and sometimes all night bathing an event in prayer. When's the last time? 
added that. Genuine followers of Jesus kept the fires of revival burning as they pleaded for God's intervention in the lives of their communities that had seemed to have fallen asleep in Christ. Whitfield was loud and flamboyant and a great public speaker. Crowds gathered from seemingly out of nowhere. Pastors didn't want him in their church Sometimes it was because the crowds would get too big. There is even word on the street that at one point he would, uh, he would preach from a platform that they would set up in the middle of a field. And at one point he was preaching to 30,000 people in the middle of a field with just his voice. There was a calling that was going on. There was a movement. There was an awakening that was happening and the Lord opened eyes and lives were changed. And I'm just saying people were rattled. Jonathan Edwards was cut from a different mold. Very academic. Not a great speaker. We are told that he would get to the platform with his entire manuscript. And while he didn't read the whole thing to them, he would stare at the back of the wall while he in a very monotone voice would tell them about the love of Christ and how he wanted them to be transformed. Can you imagine? But by the Spirit of God. Do you see the presence of the Holy Spirit in both and how he worked like this? But God used him in mighty ways as well. While he was preaching what became his most famous sermon, Sinners in the Hand of an Angry God, and if you ever read it, it'll make you squirm. While he was preaching that, it was reported that there was so much crying and wailing and screaming of the people that were in that hall. He was in a worship hall or in a gathering hall when this was happening that he repeatedly asked the crowd to control themselves because he had a message to finish. Y'all going to have to quit this. because I Actually, he probably said, y'all are, are going to need to stop this so I can finish my message. Can you, can you imagine? But, but God was awakening people. It had just been 100 years since they had experienced a new revival, and 100 years later, they were cold. But how did this happen? Clearly it wasn't Edwards. Clearly it wasn't Whitfield. Clearly it wasn't a Dutch Reformed pastor. Clearly it wasn't the Presbyterian church. Clearly it was the Holy Spirit. The Great Awakening woke up genuine Jesus followers in the 1920s, the 1930s, the 1940s. 1940s were like the golden years of what happened there. As a matter of fact, it would permanently change American religion. People began to realize they were sinners and they were living in sin and they realized that salvation was by grace through faith and Jesus alone was the first time they got this for some of them. Not by ritualistically going to church. Christianity got personal and people realized they need Jesus over everything else. Jonathan Edwards reported, is reported to have quoted saying this when he spent some time in Boston, Massachusetts. He said, I, Boston was never so full of love nor full of joy nor 
full of distress as it has been lately. I never saw the Christian spirit love the enemy so exemplified in all my life as I have seen within this year. You know what he saw? He was seeing the result of people that got rattled or people that were in the midst of what was going on. Listen, we are destined to repeat what has happened if we don't learn from what has happened. And there's something that we need to learn here that we need to repeat. It's a rattling that needs to happen. Revival can look so much like getting saved because in a revival, people can get saved. And many times they do. Think about it. It's the, it is initiated by a movement of the Holy Spirit. Both happen that way. Being vived and being revived happen under the leadership and the, and the, and the, the pursuing of the Holy Spirit in our life. He lets us know that something is missing or something is wrong in our lives that only can be fixed by God. And the believer has to admit their need and they have to return to the Lord or they have to go to the Lord in the first place. Saved or revived. That has to happen in each one of our lives. The Holy Spirit removes the blinders that the world has put on us and he restores that relationship and that fellowship and we begin to experience that communion with him and there is a revival that is going on in our lives because of that. The Lord never left. We left. And he wants us back. So many of you have said that you want to be rattled. I've even said it myself. And sometimes I look in the mirror and I ask, do you really? Because if you did, why are you doing that? Do you really? Because if you, if you do, then why are you holding back the greatest message that's ever been given in this world? If you really want it, why, what's your, what, what are you waiting for? Do you really believe you've got another hundred years to live, Ross? Doesn't match up with historical proof. People die by 118 now. Not going to make it another 100 years. Let's give thanks as we are praying, Jesus, do it now. Do it now. That song hit me on three different stations while I was driving in this morning. All three Christian stations in this area. And I went from one to the other to the other. And I heard rattle, rattle, rattle. And it wasn't my vehicle. It was what God was doing and what he wants to do in the lives of his people even today. I've got three things I want to give you. And I want you to wrap these up and put them in a bundle. And I don't want you to keep them there. I want you to give them away. Number one, be thankful for what God has already done. He's done so much. And even for you, he's done so much. He's been at work in the lives of people since the beginning of time. His compassion is even seen in the Garden of Eden because when Adam and Eve messed up, what did he do? He pursued them. I'm just telling you, he's pursuing you right now. Be thankful for the disciples from Jesus' day in that first century. Be thankful that God put in their heart that they would be willing to die to get the gospel message out after Jesus had ascended and he told them to go. And tell the gospel to all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them whatsoever I have commanded you, and I will be with you always till the end of the world. And he's talking about the end of the world for them, because for them, the world was coming to an end. Their physical life, their breath was about to leave. How about all those people that have carried that on since the first century? For 2,000 years now, disciples have faithfully carried that gospel on. Now, here's the question. 
They started it. It's been going the whole time. Are we going to keep it going or is, is America in this century going to be the place where it dies? I do not want to be a part of that part of history. I want to be on the other side of that. Be thankful for the way that God rattled the American colonies in the 1720s and 30s and 40s and 50s and 60s. And if you know Jesus, he's changed you. If anything is keeping you from him right now, Lord Jesus, come and rattle us. Here's another one. Be thankful for what he's doing right now. Be aware of what he's doing right now. Get involved with what he's doing right now. In Ezekiel chapter 36, and beginning in verse 22, I want you to just listen to this with me. It'll be up on the screen. Therefore, give the people of Israel this message from the sovereign Lord. I am bringing you back. Not because you deserve it, can you relate? I am doing it to protect my holy name, on which you brought shame while you were scattered among the nations. I will show you how holy my great name is. Didn't we just sing that? The name on which you brought shame among the nations, and when I reveal my holiness through you before their very eyes, says the sovereign Lord, the nations will know that I am the Lord. Listen, when we get revived, when we experience the rattle that God does in our lives, people perk up. People want to know what's happened. People want to know what's going on. Verse 24, for I will gather you up from all the nations and I will bring you home uh, again to your land. We know this is talking about in the future when God is going to bring the Israelites back in in a mass wave that will lead up to the thousand year uh, rule of Christ here on earth. Verse 25, and then I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. <laughs> your filth will be washed away and you will no longer worship idols and I will give you a new heart and I will put a new spirit in you and I will take away your stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender, responsive heart and I will put my spirit in you so that you will follow my decrees and be careful to obey my regulations, I will change you. If you will let him, he will change you. I want you to hear that. He wants to awaken those dry bones that are going on in your life. He wants to change that, that stony heart. Just understand what this means. This heart change will be made possible by the new covenant. It is possible by the new covenant. It was something they were looking forward to, but it, it was a new covenant for the Israelites, and this is a new covenant for us. It is a different thing that is happening. God is seeking not for us a, a legal relationship. It's not something that's just on paper, but he's looking for a, a loving relationship, not a, a legal contract on some kind of stone. He's looking for a loving heart that is motivated and desires to please him. The law would be in their heart and in their obedience and would not be motivated, would now be motivated by love and not law, by spirit-enabled desire, not by fleshly ability or force. Every genuine follower of Christ has experienced this softening 
of their heart toward God. And they've most likely seen a transformation by the Spirit in the lives of others who have come to know Christ by grace through faith as well. It is a game changer. It changes people. Be thankful for what God is doing right now. Hundreds of people groups in the world don't have a single copy of God's Word. We can be thankful by continuing to help out. You've put word, the Word of God in hands of people all over southern Mexico already. We can't quit. We've got the Word. When I was talking with a young lady yesterday, literally said, I've got a, I've got a Bible, but it's, it, it's been so long since I've been in church. It's, what was that King James something, something, something? And it's hard to read. So as I was talking with her, I said, well, I'll tell you what, I've got one you can put on your phone right now. And I took her to the version to the Bible app. And she wrote it down on a notebook in her truck while she was sitting right there. And she said, well, I, when I was reading it last time, I started off in Genesis. And she said, it was just so confusing and so hard. And I said, don't start there. Nothing wrong with it. But start in the book of John. And she wrote it down. And she said, she, she pulled it up on her phone and she said, so, goodness, there's like 50, 60, 70 translations here. Which one do you like? And I said, well, I like the New Living Translation because it's really easy to read and I'm a pretty simple kind of person. She wrote that down. Well, she's got a Bible in her hands now that she can read. That's where our hearts have to go. There are more places than you can imagine where if you choose to worship Jesus this day in any kind of public, day, public way, your life and your freedom will be at risk. Thank God for the freedom that you have. And I think maybe the best way that we can thank Him for that freedom is by using that freedom. I don't know, crazy stuff like worshiping God with the body of Christ. Huh. Instead of making excuses for all oh, this was going on today. Okay. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. I think we should. Just saying. Just for me. It's important. Whether it's here. Whether it's online. Whether it's with another body. It needs to happen. You set aside the time. You have the gospel to talk about. Billions have never heard. And will die without faith in Christ. Let that marinate for a second. We have a job. Acts 20 and 24, the Apostle Paul says, But my life is worth nothing uh, to me unless I use it for finishing the work assigned me by the Lord Jesus, the work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. And the last thing is this. Be thankful for what God has already told us will happen in the end. If you haven't read it, if you haven't seen it, you need to go to the end of the Revelation. It gets good. It gets really, really good. Every follower of Jesus Christ wins. And it's a good win. And it's what we desire. It's what we want to see happen. A.T. Pearson said this, There has never been a spiritual awakening in any country or locality that did not begin in united prayer. That's what I want to ask you and me to do even this day. Some of you have already been praying for a rattle to take place here at the Grove. Some of you have already been praying that a rattle would take place within your own heart. 
But this is mine and your response today. Matter of fact, I want you to go ahead and stand where you are. You can put everything down. I want you to stand where you are across this place. Drew's going to come down here. But you got to know that he and I are not the focus of what needs to happen here. What needs to happen here is, is the people uniting, praying, begging, seeking the Lord to do something that only he can do, which is to rattle us, to rattle this nation. And my question for you is, and this is, this is your response, do you want it? Do you want to be rattled by God? Are, are you praying to the Lord for him to wake you Have you thanked God in advance for doing what only He can do? The Lord Jesus Christ tells us in Mark chapter 11 and verse 24, it is an incredible reminder for me and you. It's a reminder to pray in advance and give thanks in advance for what God is going to do as we pray it. He says, I tell you, you can pray for anything. And if you believe that you've received it, it will be yours. I want us to pray for a rattling. Father, we are a people and a place and a community, a body, a nation, and a world that need you so bad. Rattle those who don't know you so that they may trust you by grace through faith and the Son of God who gave his life for all who would trust him. For the rest of us, Father, we need to be rattled awake. Awake us from this slumber. Pour your spirit in you and us. Take away the sin. Put a fire with Pentecostal power in us like was going on in the first century like happened over and over again and then happened again with the Great Awakening, Great Awakening and has continued on in the United States and across the world over the last 200 years plus. Father, do your thing. In Jesus' name, amen. It's time to pray.